Thank you, worship team. Great job. Uh, I want to mention this. Uh, it, it, John, I, I think we had a very successful uh, uh, splitting there of a class and a birthing of a new class. What do you think, Philip? You had about 13 in your class this morning? Excellent. We're going to put another table in there already, aren't we? All right. We, 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 I love it. We, we're going to get those. Patrick, we're going to get a chair, uh, tables ordered and get them in there this week. We'll pull from somewhere. We'll get you something in there to help that grow. But that's awesome. Started a new class this morning. So if you're not in a small group at 9 o'clock, let me just encourage you. You are missing out. You need that fellowship. That's where you get deeper roots. It's where you get deeper relationships. So our churches, it continues to grow wide and, and more and more people come. That's where you're going to get to know people better. And that's where you're going to get dig deeper into the Word of God. So John's class now has some more room in there to, to join in with him. Philip's going to have some more room next week. So join them. And uh, so we've got a lot, something for everybody. So I hope you'll join a small group and be a part of that. Well, we're going to continue this morning in our, our study of, uh, of this series that I've, I've called Sticks and Stones. And we've been looking at, you know, righteously judging what's going on in the world and the situations around us. We've talked about uh, speaking the truth in love from a place of love. I think one of the things I've tried to help you understand is we've got this idea that speaking the truth in love means that we, we're always just this sappy, you know, it's, it's oh, you know, we just love you so much. And, we're, we, and so we would never offend someone. We would never say someone to, well, folks, if we're, if we're going to do that, we're never going to say anything because the, the word of God and the gospel is offensive. The truth of the scriptures is offensive. So uh, it, it, that's not necessarily what the verse means. It's, it's, it's motivated from a place of love. And that's why we speak the truth, because we love that person. Number one, because we love the Lord, but we love that person. And, or we love others that what that person may be pushing is hurting others. We're going to speak the truth in love. So as we've, we've been looking at some of these issues, and so last week we had part one of gender matters. And it does matter. Gender does matter. And we're in a, we're in a state today, we're in a situation today in our, in our culture that it is pushing hard on the whole it, it, we don't even hear much about homosexuality anymore. That's not, I told you that was the, the, the get the nose in the door because once that's in, everything else is on the table. And we see that. The, the, the stuff that we've heard in just the last, since, since same-sex marriage was legalized in 2015, the, the, the digression morally in our country has been exponentially, it's just the, the proverbial snowball, right? And uh, what, we're, what we're seeing is every sin imaginable the effort is, and it's a satanic effort, the effort is to normalize, to normalize all sin. So whatever it is. And it's interesting to me that as we get further and further, well, let's go this way. No, no, this way. Y'all are to your left. So we go further and further to the left. We get further and further away from, from, from biblical values. The further we get from that, it's amazing because the further we get out there with things that we go, I just can't believe it. I would have not seen that. Then the things that are here, wow, we've even become kind of accepting within the church of certain sin. You know, it's like, well, it's not as bad as that. Well, it's not, but sin, all sin is offensive to God and we have to be careful of that. So when we're talking about this whole issue of and we're really going to focus on transgenderism this morning with, with part two of this Gender Matters series. But uh, at the core of this, folks, it's satanic. 
The very core, it's satanic. If you will look around and see the things that are going on in our world today, put your, if you look at it from a biblical worldview, it's pretty easy to see that Satan's hand is in all of this. All of the, the crazy stuff that's going on, it's Satan is behind it. And people are being used, people are being abused, people are being misled, and it's all to push this anti-God agenda. I mean, that's the ultimate of what, what's going on. Now, we read Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5 last week. I'm going to read this again. It says, A woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all who do so are an abomination to the Lord our God. Now, I've been in churches in the past who would, who would tell you, pastors that would tell you, that that was about a woman wearing pants in church. Now, I'm going to tell you the problem with that. Number one, it's not what the scriptures, that's not what it was talking about. That really was dealing with a transgender type of issue. It's a woman trying to look like a man, trying to appear to be a man. It's a man trying to look and appear like a woman. That's what this verse is dealing with. And the problem is then when someone misuses that verse, it totally blows away the meaning. And now, and now the real meaning of the verse doesn't even carry the weight that it should. So, folks, if you're wearing jeans this morning, you can relax. It's okay. Okay? I'm so convinced that that has nothing to do... You know, we're to be modest, right? We're not to do anything that's going to draw attention to ourselves. We're supposed to be modest in the way we dress. The verse is not about pants on women. This is about a transgender, cross-dressing type of situation. Isaiah 29, 16 says, Surely you have things turned around. Shall the potter be esteemed as the clay? For shall the thing made say to him who made it, He did not make me. You hear that? That's what the verses say. That's what the scriptures say. Or shall the thing formed say to him who formed it, He has no understanding. Folks, this is at the core of this issue. People reject God and they reject the fact that they are created by Him, for Him, and in His image. And it is God who determines someone's gender, sex. And I'm going to use that. When I use those words, I'm going to be very careful because those words are, are really, we've used them synonymously for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. All of a sudden, in the last few years, they've tried to, to, to unhatch, un, unhitch those from each other. But when we talk about gender and we talk about sex, we're talking about the same thing. They're not talking about the same thing. They're skewing and they're redefining and we'll get to that. But um, God has determined someone's gender. God has determined your sex before you're even conceived. God has an eternal plan, folks. But when you are conceived, your DNA is set. And to the, every, every single cell, you are either male or female. Okay? Now, Sharon James, and I mentioned this book, uh, Gender Ideology, last week. She, this is what she says about this. She says, to disparage the physical human body is to disparage the God in whose image we are made. There's truth. That's just truth. To downplay the male-female distinction is to reject God's design. Very well stated in two sentences of what is going on. And it really is an anti-God agenda. It's an, and man is created in the image of God. Now, I don't say man as in male. I mean man as in mankind. Men, you are created in the image of God. Women, you are created in the image of God. And so what is going on? Satan is pushing for this mutilation of bodies, this denying of who we are, this whole thing of, of, of anything he can do 
to take away from the, the, the glory that is God's glory in us. So let's start with some definitions because some of you are, uh, are kind of like, I don't know everything about this. So we're, we're gonna, I'm going to try to help you understand some of the definitions that are out there now. So this is a good place to address the cultural confusion between the terms biological sex and gender. Okay, Now, we understand that when we talk about gender or we talk about sex, we're talking about one and the same. But that's not the, the case anymore. You have to be careful because I've said this many times over the last several years. Culture today, they hijack terms, they hijack words, and they put new meanings on them. Uh, like I said with social justice. We as Christians go, absolutely we want social justice until we find out what they mean by social justice and we realize it's an, another anti-God agenda. And it's not what we want. It's not what we believe. It's anti-God. It's anti-Bible. It's anti-man. And so we have to understand that. So if you feel confused about this, it's okay because it's confusing. Um, this is what I would call classic confuscation. Anybody know the word confuscation? It's a big old word somebody used it with me one time and I went, Huh? And it really means this, to confiscate, it comes from confuse, right? But to confiscate, you do this. You take a very simple, very easy to understand thing, and you take things that are hard to understand, and you just mix up and muddle up to where now you can't even understand the simple. And so with that, you end up with that when we talk about gender. Gender is very simple. You're male or female. You're born male or female. And it's very easy to identify at birth you are male or female. Oh, it's not that simple with the liberal agenda today, this whole transgenderism and all this. It, 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 and you'll understand as we talk about it. Many terms that we have, have been newly invented or redefined and have become quickly accepted, even though the definitions themselves are often fluid. Here's some of the terms that you might hear. And uh, again, I got some of this information from the book Gender Ideology. Really is a, uh, and, and I've only read parts of that, but I'm gonna, as I read it, I'll, if it's that good, I'll reference it to you. I'll be handing it out for you to read. Number one, gender. While gender has always been used as, as a synonym for one's biological sex, the term has been hijacked by gender theorists, and it often, it's often referred to as the gender spectrum. Okay, so that's what we hear now when we talk about gender is they talk about the gender spectrum, meaning, you, you know, you can go from, there's a whole spectrum then, a whole idea of what gender can be. Um, in 2014, Facebook provided 56 gender options in 2014. By 2018, 71 options were provided. Facebook has since provided a custom gender option that says now if you do not identify with the pre-populated list of gender ideologies, you're able to add your own. You can just be whatever. Uh, you, you know, I, I hear some of the stuff when they start r rolling that off and you think they're ordering a coffee at Starbucks. Is what it, it, all the different things that are in there. And you go, I don't know what any of that is. Um, so it's common to hear someone say, you, you'll hear this, that, that, that a doctor assigned their gender at birth. Okay, your, your gender was not assigned at birth. That would be the doctor takes the baby and goes, okay, male. Female. No, he didn't assign gender at birth. What, what happens is the doctor simply identified the gender God designed you with. Okay, you, you understand that so far? All right, so that, that's gender. Now, you have gender dysphoria, D-Y-S-P-H-O-R-I-A, dysphoria. 
And it is the feeling that one's emotional and psychological identity does, doesn't match the biological sex someone was born with. And this is sometimes expressed as, as feeling trapped in the wrong body. That's what people say. Well, I've just always known I was a girl. Guys saying, I just knew, I've just always known that I was a girl. Well, you're not a girl if you're a boy. It, it's, it really is that simple. Let me stop right here and say this. Because this is a sensitive issue, and I, I don't want it to come across that I'm being crass. I don't want it that I'm being flippant with it. This is a very, very serious issue. But I also want someone, if there's someone sitting in here this morning who's struggling in this area, I want you to know that we love you, and, and we want to help you with this, and we want to speak truth to you. I am not in any way trying to tear you down. Okay, I'm not trying to mock you or make fun of you or anything that you may be going through or struggling. We want to help you with this. But what we understand is capitulating to lies that are being, you, being, you are being told by the outside world does not help you. It does not help you at all, and it is not loving. So when we talk about speaking the truth in love, that's what we're doing is we want to speak truth in love of what these things are. Um, so someone says, feel, I feel trapped in the wrong body. That would be gender dysphoria. Then you have gender identity. And that, that's a common phrase, and it has to do with one's sense of who they feel themselves to be. It's who then they, you hear this, it's who, who I identify as or what I identify as. And now we go back to this. To be human is to be male or female. And you can write that down. Your gender is your sex, and your sex is your gender. It, is nothing to, it has nothing to do with what you might feel about uh, feel because it's written into the DNA of every single cell in our body. You know, you're, 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 you can say I'm, I'm a female. I could say I'm a female, but you bury my body and they dig me up in 50 years and they examine the bones. They can look at the structure and say, that's a male. They know whether it's male or female, even by our skeletal structure. So everything within our D DNA expresses whether we're male or female. Then there's gender expression, um, and that's commonly used to refer to how someone presents themselves to others as male or female or some combination of the two or neither. And, and, and this may include their language, it may include their clothing or their actions or even more. It's their expression of, of what they are identifying as inside. And this expression is often fluid and is based entirely on how one may feel. So the idea is this, if you, if you say it, that settles it. And that's, that's where they want it to be today. They don't want anybody to question it. If I, if I say, I'm, I'm a, you know, whatever, then you're supposed to just accept that. And, and whatever pronouns I tell you to call me, that, that you're supposed to do that without any questions or any comment or anything. You should just do that. If I say it, that settles it. But we got to rise above the confusion and hold to this truth that if God says it, that settles it, okay? So what God says about this issue settles it. Not what I feel or someone else feels or, or what society as a whole is, is trending toward. It's what does the Word of God say? All right, another term you'll hear is non-binary, and it refers to someone who does not identify as exclusively male or female. That's what, that's what binary is, bi is two, so male or female. There's two genders. If you're non-binary, you don't identify as exclusively male or female. Then there's transsexuals. And these are people who are biologically normal and healthy men or women who live as members of the opposite sex. They may or may not have taken hormone, hormonal or other surgical treatment. 
Those are transsexuals. They're living as another uh, gender, another sex. Cisgender is a recently coined term used as an opposite to transgender. So if you're cis, you, you know, when they would say transgender, if you say cisgender, you're just saying you identify as the gender you were born. Folks, don't get caught up in that. If somebody starts talking with you about cisgender, you say, no, I'm a male or I'm a female. Just, just state what you are, okay? Don't get into those, the, the new term conversations about that. So this theory is that binary is bad and we can construct our own gender identity and it's an attack upon our creator. That's what it all goes back to is this is an attack against God. So transgender, that word transgender then, this umbrella term is often used to include everyone who feels any dissatisfaction with their biological sex and also for those who want to cross-dress. That's where this term transgender, that's what it incorporates. Webster defines it this way, relating to or being a person whose gender identity, what they identify, differs from the sex the person had or was identified as having at birth. So that is, that, that's how Webster defined it. Now, transgenderism is the expression... Now, now, hear this. It's the expression of a feeling. It's the expression of a feeling that your gender does not correspond to your sex, that the way you feel in, in your masculinity or femininity does not jive with your anatomy. So instead of conforming feelings to our appearance, those who are, are struggling with this issue or pushing this issue, they try to conform their appearance to their feelings. And that's the direction this is going. And that's transgenderism. And that's, hopefully that helps you understand some of the terms. Now, the first thought I want to share is this. I have three thoughts this morning, and we'll see how far we get. Number one is this. Transgenderism is unbiblical and sinful. It's unbiblical and sinful. The, the argument that, that is going to happen, and I, I hear this one all the time about homosexuality. Uh, you probably hear it. In fact, I, I heard it. We were visiting with family a week and a half ago uh, down, down in St. Cloud. And um, a, a member of our family, extended member of our family said, well, I just believe that, that homosexuals are born that way. And I said, and she says she believes the Bible. I said, well, if you believe the Bible, you can't believe that. Because God makes it very clear he created male and female. And he says homosexuality is sin. God's not going to create and make you something and then judge you for being that thing. That is not how God works, and the Word of God is very clear on that. So we get caught up in people, people are buying into this. Christians are buying into this where they're just born that way. Folks, that's the lie of Satan, and that's to get you to, to go, oh, well, there's nothing they can do about it. There's nothing they can do about it. They can't change it. They were born that way. Well, that's the lie they want you to believe. They want you to just come along and capitulate with it. But transgenderism is unbiblical and it is sinful. That's not to say that people who feel that way or act that way are beyond God's love. It's to say that such things are wrong in God's eyes and apart from the redeeming blood of Jesus, they won't escape the final judgment. Just like people who commit any kind of sin. Amen? 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Y'all know this verse. This is the verse that, now listen, this is the verse that many Christians use to say that homosexuals don't go to heaven. Now I'm going to tell you, let me just say this. 
a homosexual, someone who's a practicing homosexual or transvestite or, or anyone that's struggling with transgender issues, if they don't go to heaven, it's not because of transgenderism or homosexuality. It's because there, there's only one reason we go to hell, and that's because we reject the loving gift of salvation offered by the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's, what, that's it. So we got to understand, don't, don't get caught up in this and go, oh, homosexuals go to hell. You, you're, you're fighting the wrong fight. And, you, and you're, you're using rubber bullets. They don't, they, you, you have no, no real ammunition there because you're not speaking truth. We go to heaven for one reason, because Jesus died for our sin. He paid for our sin in our place. And if he, if he causes, he convicts us of our sin and we respond to that, we confess our sin, we repent of our sin, and we by faith place our faith in Jesus Christ, then we're saved. Now, after salvation, how we live our life is very, very important. And, and, and you know what? The way someone can say, well, I got saved and their life never changed, I'll tell you they never got saved. You do not meet the living God and come into a faith relationship with Jesus Christ and your life not change. That doesn't mean you'll be a saint instantly. But folks, it does mean that there is a change. You cannot meet Jesus Christ and your life not change. And when people have this testimony, and right here I got saved, my life was just kind of going like this, and I got saved, and my life just kept going like this, you didn't get saved right here. You made a head, you made a head decision, you made an emotional decision. But when you meet Jesus, your life's going to change. There's, there's change. So, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, and the unrighteous are those who have not been born again? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators. I know people who profess to be Christians who are fornicators. Living in open, unrepentant fornication. That's any sexual sin, folks. Marriage, the only place for sex is between a man, one man, one woman, in a covenant relationship of marriage intended for one lifetime. That is the only place that man is allowed biblically to express that, that gift. And I'll say it that way, a gift of sex. Anything outside of that then is fornication. It's sexual sin. It, uh, nor idolaters. That, that, that's putting anything before God. I'm going to tell you, I, I, my stomach gets... A few times in the last many years I've been to a college football game. Every time I go, it kind of turns my stomach. Because it's just pure idolatry. It really is. I love Georgia football. But I don't love Georgia football more than I love Jesus. And, and, and really, if I, if, I don't, if I miss a game or whatever, it, it's, it's no big deal. And pe people love it. People love it. They know I'm a bulldog. So when Georgia loses, they're like, oh, how are you doing today? You all right? And I go, I'm fine. And if they lose, they lose. If it, you know, five minutes, I might be mad five minutes, and then I'm over it. It's over. It's a ball game. Nobody's going to heaven or hell based on a ball game. But, folks, you go to those games, and you see people dress up. They got, they got their attire on for it. They send their tithes and their offerings to the university so they can buy tickets, and, and they buy their, their all, whatever. You know, you got to have your Georgia hat and your Georgia shirt and, and, and your Georgia stickers on your face. And, and then you go and you sing your songs of praise. Glory, glory to old Georgia. And it's, and it's idol worship. It's idol worship. And they go to the church 
That was a church house, Sanford Stadium, about eight times a year, and they worship their idol. Brother Gary, a lot of that in Alabama too, ain't there? I'm just telling you, Georgia now thinks they're, they're the new Alabama. That's what Georgia thinks. All my Georgia people are going to be mad at me. But idolatry, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals. There's one, nor sodomites. There's two words in there that indicate that. And we, we want to latch on to that because we're the Christians. Oh, see, they go to hell. All these others do too. The key is, do you know Jesus? Because these are things that we work. Listen to what the verse says. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners uh, will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11, and such were some of you. Were, were, past tense, were, but you were washed. You were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We, we all were one of those things. All of us. Now, when you, when you come into that relationship with Jesus Christ, he, he changes us. We become a new creation. Now, old things have passed away. And if we stay in that, then I question whether we ever really met Jesus. If we just continue to live that life of sin, I question your salvation. Like I said, I don't mean you're going to be perfect day one, but your life ought to be moving toward holiness and toward righteousness, and you should be growing constantly. Now, we, they no longer were those things, and we're no longer those things because we have been born again. That's the change, okay? So let's look at eight reasons then why that transgenderism is unbiblical and sinful. Number one, it's contrary to God's design for humanity. It's contrary to God's design for humanity. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Remember God made two genders, not three, not four, not 71, but two with distinct roles and unique characteristics. Two genders. Transgenderism blurs and even tries to reverse or erase God's design. That's the idea. Well, I'm not, I'm not a male. I, I don't like what God made me. And, and they would say there is no God, and yet they'd be like, I don't like what God made me. I'm going to be something different. It is an anti-God agenda, and it's satanic at the core to undermine what God has created. Number two, it opposes God's design for you. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16, uh, and this is just after God, or, 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 or after saying to God, you know me, and you're with me. And then David says in verse 13, he says, for you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were, were they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. David proclaims that God designed us and made us. He designed us. He made us. It is He. And He made us unique. And He made us individual. And He made us fearfully. And He made us wonderfully. And based on 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17, we're to live according to how God created us. That verse says, but as God has distributed to each one. Now this includes our, our sex, our gender, what He distributed, how He created us. But as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, let him, uh, let, so let him walk. 
and so ordained in all the churches. We are to live the way God created us. We're to be what He created us. From the days that God ordained uh, for us to the gender He assigned to us, we are to live accordingly, especially in light of Isaiah 45, 9. Woe to him who strives with his maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him who forms it, What are you making? Or how shall uh, your handiwork say, He has no hands? Folks, it is not our place to question how God made us. I am a man. God made me a man. I will always be a man. There's nothing I could go off the rails, lose my mind. All of a sudden, I want to be something else. But I cannot be something else. I am what God made me to be. No matter what I want to present or identify as or try to look like or try to act like or even if I'm... manipulate or mutilate my own body, I'm still a man. I'll still be a man. It opposes God's design for you. Number three, it's confusing. And God is not the God of confusion. Amen? 1 Corinthians 14, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Again, Facebook offers 70 gender, 70 plus gender options. And some people have even object to that because they say there's an unlimited number of genders. What? So there's an unlimited number. We've gone from two genders, very clearly, male and female, to now there's but you see what's happened. Gender is no longer has anything to do with your anatomy. It has to do with your psychology. That's what it has to do with. Um, many of which are yet unnamed, unlabeled, or unidentified. It's confusing. Now I'm going to tell you what comes to mind. What? That comes to mind. But here's what comes to mind. I am legion. As I read, as I was reviewing my notes this morning, I read over that again, and it hit me. I am legion. It it sounds demonic, and the the demonic presence that is all this unlimited, this unlimited labels, un, unidentifiable, all of that. And it makes it even more rational to uh, legitimize it as normal and healthy. Number four, it makes provision to gratify the desires of the flesh. Romans 13, 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Transgenderism is fundamentally about making provision for the flesh and gratifying a person's desires, the end result of which is a war against your soul. At least that's how Peter put it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. He said, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. It's all about the de- gratifying the desires of the flesh. And it explains why those who indulge in it suffer so much. Uh, as Raymond says often, choose to sin, choose to suffer. We're going to live in sin. We choose a life of sin. We're going to, we choose a life then of suffering and problems. Number five, it exchanges God's glory for man's. Romans chapter 1. After saying that there are uh, some who reject God and become darkened in their hearts, Paul says in verse 22, he says, Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed 
and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So the fifth reason that transgenderism is unbiblical and sinful is that it exchanges God's glory for man's glory. And uh, it's claiming to be wise people change their appearance. Boy, it, that, that's an arrogant claim, isn't it, of wisdom that, that I would state with all the evidence pointing contrary for me to state that I'm a woman. Y'all would go, what? To resemble, the idea is to resemble that which they were not created to be. In other words, they exchanged the image of God in which they were created for an image of someone or something else. I remember seeing a, a, a clip on, I think it was on Twitter, and uh, Wendy Williams, if anybody, y'all know Wendy Williams, I don't recommend Wendy Williams, but Wendy Williams was talking about this Barbie woman. This woman had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to look just like Barbie. With everything you can imagine changing her body to look like one of those skinny Barbie dolls. And Wendy Williams probably nailed, nailed it right. And it's probably why I can't find the clip anymore. I wanted, to, I wanted to find it. But she said that the lady needs some psychological help. When you are spending that kind of money to look like an, an inanimate object, you want to look like a Barbie doll. There's a problem there. Um, number six. Number six, it dishonors the body God gave you. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Transgenderism, just like homosexuality, dishonors the body that God gave you. Number seven, it's narcissistic. It's narcissistic. Worshiping and serving yourself. Romans 125 says, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. All of a sudden, you know, we, we talk about idolatry and we, we don't look at it this way. But, you know, a lot of us, not us, I'm not saying us, but a lot of us as mankind worship ourselves. We worship ourselves. It's all about me. And that's the ultimate in sin. It's all about me. And it's just narcissistic as we worship and we serve ourselves, And we're doing what we want with our body instead of living uh, in the way that God created us and the way God wants us to live. And then number eight, it's unnatural and dishonorable. It's unnatural and dishonorable. Uh, verse 26 and 27. For this reason, and it, for this reason, because of the, their narcissism and rejection of God, God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. Shameless acts like a man trying to become a woman or a woman trying to become a man. And I say try because it's impossible to change your DNA. You can change your appearance, but you're not going to change your DNA. You're not going to change the fact that you are a male or you are a female. You are born that way. And as I said before, it's written into your body and every cell in your DNA. It's to the very DNA you are a male or you are a female. It doesn't just apply to homosexuality, but any kind of dishonorable passion, any kind of unnatural behavior as God has designed you. It doesn't just mean transgenderism or homosexuality. Folks, as us believers, there are things that we can do that aren't in those categories 
stories that are just as much unnatural and dishonorable to God and dishonoring to God. Amen? So that's the first thing I want you to, to understand. You need to settle that part of understanding that this is not something that we can accept and go, well, you know, they're born that way or it's okay. God, God's a God of love. That's the lie you, wanna, you hear a lot of today. Well, God is love. Yes, God is love, but God doesn't accept these things contrary to the way he created us. Amen? So we cannot give in on these things when the Bible is very clear on them. And we want to love people and we want to help them. But we don't help them by capitulating to their, their sin or whatever is going on there. Number two, legitimizing gender preference is irrational and harmful. And I'm talking about the cultural push and the thinking behind it to normalize a person's desire to be the opposite sex, saying that it's perfectly legitimate to do so, perfectly healthy to choose whatever gender you want or no gender at all. It's all good. That's, that's what they want. That's what's being pushed is that we just, we just accept this. And, and whatever they say, whatever they want to be, and it's okay. And uh, to be just frank about it, it's ludicrous. And it's, and it's flat out irrational. And it's irrational because, first of all, it's a denial of reality. Okay? Uh, your sex is your gender and your gender is your sex, period. Mr. Rogers had it right all those years ago. Anybody seen Mr. Rogers lately? He, he, he's made a, he was way ahead of his time. He wouldn't be on TV today. He would be canceled today if he said what he said. He sang a song. I, I went and researched it this week. I'm going to sing the whole thing. But he said this. He said, boys are boys from the beginning. Girls are always girls right from the start. Then he said, only girls can be the mommies. Only boys can grow up to be the daddies. I mean, he nailed it. That must have been in the 60s. Like I said, today, he... It, it wouldn't make it to the air. He would have been canceled. He would be, he would be off TV. They all oh, he's homophobic. He's transphobic. He's all these things because he holds to a standard. Just because our culture has separated gender and sex in the last few years and tried to make them independent of one another does not make that true. You may not have a sense of your masculinity or femininity, but it doesn't change the fact that you are born male or female. And to say otherwise, to say that it's perfectly legitimate for a person to prefer or identify as a gender other than their anatomy is a denial of reality. Now I'm going to give you an example. In Canada, there's a man up in Canada a few years ago, I think he's probably in his 50s now, but at this time, this man named Paul was 46 years old. He was married and had seven kids, married with seven kids. But after two suicide attempts and one struggle with depression, all right, now there's a, there's a cue right there, amen? There's a cue that there's a problem, and the problem may not be the plumbing. The problem may be something emotional, psychological, uh, not necessarily physical, okay, but after two suicide attempts, a struggle with depression, and an introduction to the transgender community, he decided that he was really a six-year-old girl, not a 46-year-old man, but a six-year-old. I'm not, I kid you not, this is reality. I almost got the picture, but I said, I don't even want to show the picture. I mean, there, I showed Gina the picture. And he's got his hair grown out. He's got some ponytails in there and lipstick on. In one picture, he's a six-year-old girl, but he's sucking on a pacifier. How many six-year-olds, you know, suck on a pacifier? Okay, so that's not even rational. It's just it, there's, there's some issues there. There's some concern. The man needs some help, and, and by their capitulating to this, they're not helping him. 
But he not only that, but he got, not only does he, did he begin to dress and talk and act like a six-year-old girl, but he found an older couple who actually took him in as their granddaughter. <laughs> and you can't make this up. It's like they were playing house. When I actually read the article, he said that he started out as an eight-year-old girl. But their granddaughter, who he plays with, wanted to be the big sister. So he changed to being a six-year-old girl. It's a denial of reality. And it's irrational to the core. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. And it, and it, and it, and it gets worse when you consider the claim that gender can be fluid. 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 As in, it can change from one day to the next if you desire. Or, or you can be both genders at the same time, bigender, or, or gender neutral, having no gender at all, or pan gender, meaning you're all genders at once, or gender queer, a combination of multiple genders, but not all of them. Whether it's fixed or fluid, folks, it's irrational. It's irrational. And not just because it, it can change, but because it's arbitrary. It's arbitrary. It's totally, it's totally self-determined. That's the problem with this. It's self-determined and it's based entirely on how you feel without defining or, or observable characteristics. There's no defining characteristics, no observable characteristics. It's just however I feel. And no need to worry about being questioned or examined or scrutinized. If I say it, that settles it. And, you know, the, the problem is just one issue we've seen through the past several years is, is with restrooms. Now, I, I told y'all, I don't shop at Target. Now, I ain't trying to shame you, but I hope you don't shop at Target. I, I hope you never, ever, ever in the rest of your life spend a, a penny at Target. Because years ago, there were issues with the bathrooms. And, and they said, oh, you can go to whatever bathroom you want. Oh, really? So it's okay with some pervert going into the little girl's room in the ladies' room when there's a five-year-old or a six-year-old or a seven-year-old in there, and, and, and you endanger that child so that you can be this all-inclusivity? of something that's absolutely insane, it's arbitrary. Our government a few years ago said that our, our students should be able to choose whatever bathroom they want to go to. They should be able to self-identify and use the bathroom of their choice. Now, I don't think that's going on now. But if your gender is no longer tied to your anatomy and biology and people can self-identify as any gender they want, any time they want, then, then signs on public restrooms are completely meaningless. There's a whole lot of things in, in our culture that become absolutely meaningless if reality has no, no real meaning. But make no mistake, that's not where it stops. This kind of irrational thinking has implications for the military, our court system, the workplace, women's rights, child protection, education, sports, churches, and the list goes on and on and on the likes of which we can't even imagine, let alone anticipate, because it's irrational. You know, just think about what's happened already in women's sports. Women swimming and weightlifting. Take those two. We, we had it not too long ago. Aaron, help me with the girl's name that, that she, do you remember? There, there's, a, there's a girl right now that she's the one she would have won, but this, this Rowdy Gaines, Rowdy Gaines, incredible. Great swimmer, great athlete. But this, this, this male who was uh, swimming at uh, whatever school, Penn maybe, I think it is. But he, he's like ranked 250 or 300 in college swimming. 
but he decides he's going to be a woman, and I'm a woman now, and I'm going to go swim with the ladies, and he wins because it makes sense. He's a male. Let's put Michael Phelps out there against the fastest women in the world. Michael Phelps may not have swam a lap in the last three, four years. He'll blow him away because he's six, seven. He's a male. He's just, there's a physical difference. But this, this guy who wants to identify as a woman, I will not call him by that name. He's a male. And, and he took her place. He stole her award. And the, the, and the girl who would have come in third place, I think, was here in Florida. And I think Governor DeSantis actually awarded her a, a, a recognition because of that, which I think is great. Then you got weightlifting. So this guy decides he wants to be a woman weightlifter. And he goes over and he breaks all the women's records. Where are the feminists? Where are the, the women who fight for women's rights? Not, why are they not screaming at the top of their lungs about these men who are... Now, this is the cross-sectionality, folks, that we talked about not too long ago with critical theory and, and intersectionality. So it's this oppression, oppression. Who's oppressed, oppressed? Well, man oppresses women, and women in different levels. A, a, a white woman may be, more, may be the, the oppressor, and a black woman is the oppressed, but the black woman would be the oppressor of the black trans woman, and the black trans, uh, if you go on down, you go on down, you go on down, but then you end up with the white guy who says he's a trans woman. Now he trumps them all. And he can go and he can take their spot in their sports. He can win their awards. Do you not find it ridiculous that several men, including Bruce Jenner, have won awards for being woman of the year? (laughs) Men win woman of the year and women don't get outraged. I don't understand it. It's arbitrary. It makes no sense. It's inconsistent. Think about it. What if, what if Paul, the 46-year-old we talked about, that identifies as a 6-year-old girl, what if he enrolled in the 6th grade and, and, using, uh, and, and he wants to now use the girls' restrooms with other 1st graders? Y'all okay with that? But if we're going to accept him as a 6-year-old, if we're going to say that's okay, he can self-identify that way, that's where it ultimately is going to lead. And he can be a 6-year-old and and go to 1st grade. But then what's to say the next year he decides, you know what, I'm no longer a 6-year-old. I'm going to be, this year I'm a 13-year-old, and I want to play middle school basketball against the other girls, this 47-year-old man now. Do you see where this is going? It's inconsistent. I already told you he changed from an 8-year-old girl to a 6-year-old girl just because he wanted to be the little sister or the girl wanted to be the big sister. Uh, It's inconsistent. If your gender is no longer determined by your anatomy, uh, why should your grade be determined by your uh, your years or your ethnicity by your lineage? Kind of like that Rachel Dolezal, I think was her name, who the NCAA ended up firing her because she was a white woman who presented herself and acted like she was a black woman so she could work for the NAACP. And they found out, and good, they fired her because she's a liar. It's inconsistent. For that matter, why should our Social Security benefits be determined by our age, right? I, I, I should get full benefits right now, right now. Or why should your height be determined by, well, your height? Why should it be determined by that? Or your pound or your weight by your pounds. I, I think it should, we should find something else. I mean, in fact, from now on, I am identifying as a 24-year-old, super fit, super handsome, millionaire movie star. Okay, so y'all, just so y'all know, that's who I am now. And y'all can call me Brad. Okay, call me Brad. 
I'm going back in time. I'm going to be 24-year-old Brad. So, um, and if that were the case, in life insurance companies, they'd have a hard time refusing uh, coverage for an overweight 55-year-old who feels like a teenager and thinks he's healthy. Right? They'd have a hard time. They couldn't. Well, you self-identify. You define the rules. There's no, art, there's no set standard to look at. Then that should be okay. So if gender isn't tied to facts, then, then how can we legitimately draw the line on anything else? You can't. And, and it, it, if, 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 not if we're um, going to be consistent, if we're going to be right. So if, if we try to make this all work, it's irrational. It's just irrational. But the worst part of this is this, is that it's harmful. It's harmful. And it's especially harmful to our young people. The American College of uh, Pediatricians, the American College of Pediatricians, a socially conservative association of healthcare professionals, says this, conditioning children into believing a lifetime of chemical and surgical impersonation of the opposite sex is normal and helpful is child abuse. They go on to say endorsing gender discordance, that's gender preference, as normal via public education and legal policies will confuse children and parents, leading more children to present to gender clinics clinics where they will be given puberty-blocking drugs. This, in turn, virtually ensures that they will... they will choose a lifetime of carcinogenic and otherwise toxic cross-sex hormones and likely consider unnecessary surgical mutilation of their healthy body parts as young adults. Legitimizing gender preference is harmful to the core, folks, and it's child abuse. And according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of the American Psychiatric Association, which is the standard in the industry, as many as 90 percent of gender-confused boys and 88% of gender-confused girls eventually accept their biological sex after naturally passing through puberty, which means that legitimizing their confusion and even encouraging it is on par with the worst of history's medical experiments. It's harmful and shameful in every sense. Now, we look down on what went on in Nazi Germany with, uh, was it Mengele? Dr. Mengele, Dr. Death. He, he, the experiments, this is, I'm going to tell you, this is no less wicked what is being done to these children and pushing that. Folks, a six-year-old doesn't know, they're, they're a dump truck one day and Spider-Man the next. And you're going to tell me they should be able to choose whether they're a female or a male. They, th- this is ridiculous and it's, it's, it's disastrous. And it's not just that, and it's not just limited to teenagers. According to a 30-year study done in Sweden, which, by the way, is among the most accepting and affirming countries in the world when it comes to transgenderism, listen to this, rates of suicide, and I quote, are 20 times greater among adults who use cross-sex hormones and undergo sex reassignment surgery. 20 times greater. They're an accepting culture. So you can't push the lie that, well, we're oppressed, we're picked on, we're made fun of, we're bullied because they've accepted it. They're okay with it. All of that goes on. It's not about that. You are deforming, you are destroying a body. You you can expect they're going to have problems. You're giving them these drugs, you can expect they're going to have problems. Why in the world... What compassionate and reasonable person would subject people to such a risk? 
Only someone who's clouded in their judgment and irrational to the core. And I would say that I believe it's absolute wickedness. And I've got to, I've got to wrap up. Um, Pastor Aaron, you guys come on forward. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to wrap this up here. Uh, I'll say this, point three, is just that accommodating transgenderism is unwise and unthinkable. Church, we don't do it to be mean. I don't want to stand against anybody. I want to help people that are struggling with that. And the problem I have is with the ones who are pushing it, who are pushing it on children. That's the problem I have. This agenda that is being pushed to normalize all of this. There are a lot of people, as I said earlier, that are victims to this. This 46-year-old, I'm going to tell you what he needed. He needed some help. He's depressed. He's attempted suicide. He needs some psychological help, not to be exposed to a group of people who are then going to mess him up and tell him that, well, you, you know, you're, you're a six-year-old little girl or you just need to identify as something. Well, you know, you're just trapped in the wrong body. They, they haven't helped him one bit. Disillusionment must not rule the day. Don't be disillusioned. Despair must not rule in our hearts. And I, Pastor Aaron and I talk sometimes, and I think I, I probably come across as man, like I'm in despair. I'm like, man, our country, there's no way we're going to get this back. I, I don't know. And I don't know if we will get our country back. I know God's still in control. Dysfunction must not rule in our country. Folks, we've got to be the ones to stand up. If you've, still, if you've still got your head on straight and you see this from a biblical perspective, we cannot just passively sit back and ignore this. So there's some things that we can do. And I'm going to mention real quick some things. Number one is pray. Pray. Paul says in 1, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, says, Therefore I exert, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. That includes those who are struggling with this issue. Verse 2, for kings and all who are in authority that they may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Look, folks, we got to pray for those that are in authority, those that are in position to make a difference in these issues. We need to pray for them. We need to reach out and speak to them, but we need to pray for them. We need to pray. We need to talk with friends. We need to talk with family and let people know. No, explain it. When you understand from a biblical perspective, help them to see that. We need to advocate. We need to write letters. We need to speak at school board meetings, wherever, where we can be an advocate for sanity, for truth. We need to advocate. Uh, we need to protect. We need to do whatever we can to protect our kids. Be aware of what's going on. Protect your kids. Protect your daughters. Protect your wives. I say daughters and kids. Protect your sons. You know, I wouldn't have wanted somebody getting a hold of Jesse at five or six years old and filling his head with this, this idea that, well, you know, I think, you're, you know, you're probably a little girl. You probably, you got the wrong body. You know, what it was, you were in line and God was handing out bodies and gave you the wrong one. You know, you just got the wrong body. That, they're deceitful and they're liars. We've got to protect our kids and protect our families. Now, we need to love need to graciously love those who are caught up in transgenderism just like we do anyone else. We need to love people. We need to love people in their sin. 
Doesn't mean we accept it. We don't, you know, the, the, again, the Lord and the woman caught in adultery. He didn't say it was okay. He didn't let her off the hook. He said, go and sin no more. He said, but I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. He didn't let her off the hook with that. Folks, we, we need to be loving. We need to be loving of, of, of these people. Um, if we see folks being mistreated, we need to stand up. We need to see that. And while, while we do that, we speak the truth in love, and we share the gospel and walk alongside these people. And the last thing we do, we've got to preach truth. Continue to speak the truth, preach the truth, preach the gospel. Because what, what, what was I said earlier? And such were some of you. That could be said of every one of us in this room. But such were you. You were this, or you were that, but, but God, but God. Father, Lord, as we, as we uh, will have this song in just a moment, Lord, I pray right now you'd speak to hearts. Lord, there may be folks in our lives that are struggling with these issues. Lord, I pray you give us wisdom you give us patience. You give us compassionate hearts. You give us boldness to speak truth. You give us the compassion and the love that we need to speak the truth in love. But Father, may we, may, we, may we not sit by with our mouths shut as people are being misled, being deceived, and being hurt all around us. God, give us wisdom. Give us a voice to speak truth. God, help us to be advocates for your word. As we go out of here, we are ambassadors, Lord. If we're your child, we are an ambassador. We're representative of you to this lost world. Help us to do that with all that's within us. Again, Lord, give us wisdom of how to deal with these situations. Maybe this morning, Lord, there's somebody on our heart. Maybe there's a family member. Maybe there's a a neighbor or a co-worker that's struggling with these issues. Father, this morning would be a good time for us to bring them to the altar, bring them to you. And maybe it would be a good time for us to come and pray for wisdom in those situations, Lord. And, and Lord, if that's what we need, I pray you'll move on our hearts this morning. There may be needs that we need to come and present to you at this altar. Lord, I pray for this congregation. Lord, every person, if there's even one here this morning doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, I pray that they would not leave here today without understanding the truth that, that you love them so much that you sent Jesus to take their place and die on the cross. And that, Lord, if we'll, we'll turn from our sin, we'll confess ourselves sinners, we'll acknowledge to you and just confess to you our sin and repent and turn from that and just believe by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your word says that we shall be saved. And Lord, we can know that we know that we know. We don't have to wonder whether we're going to be with you for eternity or not, we can know. So if there's anyone here this morning who doesn't know for sure, God, I pray that you would speak to hearts. And Lord, may they step out and just come down here and let me talk to them and introduce them to Jesus this morning. Father, would you work and do what only you can do now? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.